Well, hello again and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my wonderful, intelligent, gorgeous, very hardworking Disney Castle loving wife and co-host, Michelle. Well, that's for sure. Well, thank you, honey. I appreciate those nice things. And hi, everybody. So good to have you with us. We are recording this episode on Thursday, January 4th, 2024. And this episode is dropping on Sunday, January 7th, 2024. Why are we recording on a yeah, Thursday why? night? Because as, as this episode drops, we will actually not be home. Right. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that as yeah. people are listening and like, oh, they're not home. We're going to go ahead and break into their house. <laughs> We actually have some people watching the house for us, so it's all good. We're all safe. That's why I feel okay saying this. We will be in California visiting, yes, Disney and our family. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, and we have all sorts of stuff planned, but we'll tell you more about that later in the show, but more next week. Thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we are on social media. We're on Twitter. Twitter at Hyperion. (laughs) Excuse me, at Hyperion Podcast. Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Also, we're on YouTube. If you want to find us there, we're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you in any of those ways. And I know we haven't been promoting it too much lately, but feel free to sign up for our newsletter. We don't share that email address with anybody. It's just to send you a newsletter once a week. Yep, just to give you some... Good info, what's going on in the Hyperion Adventures podcast world, and we always send, especially Michelle, a couple little links out there to some stories, sometimes some sweepstakes, some contests, Disney-related. So if you're looking for those, it's a great place to get them right there. Right, and there'll be a link from that'll give you something extra from today's show for people who join the newsletter. Very nice. There you go. So be excited about that. (laughs) Now, before we get into this week's show, you know we always like to take a look back at the week that was, because this is the Disney podcast of positivity, so we like to focus on those high moments, those positive moments, our favorite moments from the week that was. We call it My Favorite Thing from This Week, and when we start this, we always do it with Michelle, because look, she's fantastic. (laughs) You know she does the best research, you're just about to hear that. You've heard it many, many times. She definitely has the best lists. She also has the best My Favorite Thing from this week. So, Michelle, what was your favorite thing from this week? You know, and sometimes I wonder if you go to me first, it gives you a little extra thinking time. I don't know. But anyways, I'm just Oh, there's never enough thinking time for me. (laughs) (laughs) You're funny. Um, So my favorite thing this week was just uh, being able to ring in the new year with you and be here and have that uh, that time to be together. Yes, we had a nice, quiet New Year's. I'll be honest with you. I was not feeling the best this week. Yeah. Uh, so it was not the maybe the healthiest New Year's for me. I had a little 
It's going to sound bad, but it's not as bad as it sounds. A little stomach issue going on. It wasn't one of those where things were coming out of right, my stomach right. issues, but I had some issues that I had to take care of this week. So um, <laughs> it was good, but I still, it was nice having some time with you and watching some football, watching a couple of the countdown shows. We would flip yes. between the couple of them and, and you know, just enjoyed and sitting and relaxing. And, yeah. and that was nice. Yes, the Rose Parade. We watched a little of that. Wasn't my favorite Rose Parade this year. Yeah. I don't think you agreed with me that. It wasn't I, I did as, agree with you that it yeah. was. Yeah, I do agree with you that it wasn't the the most compelling. I mean, it's always great. It's always right. it, to me. It's always the best parade of yes. all the parades during this time of year. It wasn't. I've seen better Rose right. Parades than right. I saw this year. Yeah, and it also doesn't help that we're used to watching it from Southern Cal with the you know, the hosts there that are doing it traditionally year after year, and they're very excited about it. And and I'm not saying that the ones that are, you know, more national aren't excited about it, but it's just different than kind of the, that local. More the local. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, hey, everybody who made it, the Rose Parade, I know is a bucket list for a lot of people, yeah. especially those who get to actually um, walk that five mile right. stretch and whether it's be on a float or be in a band or riding horses or whatever it might be. Right. So, you know, no matter what we say about whether it was a better or not quite as good Rose Parade, it was fantastic for all those people. And um, so happy for you all that got to get out there and do that, especially right. like if you had uh, some of your kids or whatever in one of the bands that got to march, because that's always exciting. Yes. As well. And it's fun to hear the stories of how, you know, they, the communities come together to make that happen mm-hmm. for them. So it's always heartwarming, too. For sure. And uh, I, I, I mean, I still like it. I like it. I just there weren't a lot of as many wow floats. I think that's why we base it on more than anything else. The bands are always great. All the other performers are always great. We're we're looking for those wow floats. And I didn't see as many this year as I've seen in the past. So it was was still good. It was good. Just, just not as good as we've seen other years. Um, Also, my favorite thing from this week is probably some things that were going on as this episode (laughs) is dropping for us. I'm just going to go in a day and say, assume that uh, that day is pretty good. Hopefully, 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 hopefully. Uh, probably jinxing it, but I'm nah. just going to go with it. So let's go ahead and move on to this week's show. We have lots of stuff for you this week, including that we have some great news for you if you're a Disney Plus subscriber. And come on, who isn't? And uh, you have a Walt Disney World trip planned. And there's also some other good news if you're kind of looking to maybe upgrade those Disneyland tickets coming up here very, very soon. We'll tell you all about that as well. But that's later. Let's go ahead and get to our very majestic main topic of the week. So for this week's main topic, Michelle's been looking for another subject that we can do kind of a series on. And so what are we talking about? You know, what were we thinking? You know, hey, Disney Park icons. Well, what is the most classic Disney Park icon? One of the first Disney, matter of fact, it was the first Disney Park icon. Right. It's of course those wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous castles that you get to see when you walk down Main Street, USA. Yeah. In any of the parks, they're, yeah. they're all fabulous. Even if they don't technically have a Main Street USA. Right. It's always right there right. As, as you're going into some of these 
uh, the main parks at, uh, across the around the globe. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so we're going to go ahead and discuss the majesty of Disney Castle, starting with this week in the U.S. parks, right, right. Michelle? Exactly. And although we've done some references or some deep dives that have included information about the castles, hopefully we can share a little bit of new information so it's it's some maybe some fun facts or something that will make it interesting. Well, I'm sure Michelle will do a great job with that because, you know, she always does the best research. <laughs> so, you know, this is going to be a fantastic subject. We're going to find out some interesting things, some maybe that we knew, maybe some things that we didn't know about the Disney castles in the U.S. park. So we'll go ahead, Michelle, kick it off. Tell us a little bit about the majesty of Disney castles in the USA. All right. So let's start with the OG, as you mentioned, the Disneyland's castle, Sleeping Beauty Castle. Um, but before we want to get into the details of that, what I did want to share with you is how Buzz and Woody came to the rescue. That's right. We're going to start immediately with a fun fact that there were two consultants hired by Walt to perform feasibility study report and site study report for Disneyland parks. And they were named Buzz and Woody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for real. Um, there, it, there was uh, Buzz Price, who was mainly looking at the um, feasibility study. And there was C.V. Wood, who he told people to call himself, to call him Woody who helped with the initial planning of Disneyland. Um, now, actually, later, Woody was hired on by Disney Company as the construction manager for the park. So, although technically that isn't a fun fact about the castle without them, hey, who knows? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, it's just funny that the, their names, I wonder if that played a part in anything. Yeah, I don't name, know. Though, but that's really interesting. Right, yeah. right. Button was he? Button was he? Buzz and Woody to the rescue. <laughs> exactly. It's been a long week. I know, right? All right. So um, let's start first then or next with the name of the castle. And, it, and you know, even before the park opened, Walt, as we know, was sharing information to audiences on his TV weekly show about the parks and what was coming. And during one of those episodes, Walt himself suggested that the castle could belong to Snow White. Um, but the decision was eventually made to call it Sleeping Beauty's Castle. Uh, and that was even though the film had not been released yet, it was still a good decision because it, it did help with marketing. And actually, you know, one of the things, and we've talked about this before that a lot of people say is Walt's t decision to bring some things into the public's consciousness, even ahead of time, really was smart marketing. No, I think everything Walt did around Disneyland was super smart marketing, but yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. Give him a glimpse of what's going on with, with that castle. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So now in regards to the design, um, a lot of people know that Herb Ryman was one of the key people who was designing the park and who Walt turned to for coming up with sketches of the castle. Now, according to Ryman, um, he said in talking to Walt, um, this is the instructions he was provided that Walt wanted and insisted upon one thing, that there was a very, very conspicuous castle. He said, because the castle is going to be the symbol of this whole place. And boy, Walt was spot on. Yeah, it's 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 a huge symbol of the entire Disney company. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, 
there there were other things, you know, that in terms of making it visible, he wanted to make sure people could have something to focus on to know where they are in the park and to not get lost. But again, he recognized that this was going to be something that was identifiable for the park. And so that was pretty cool. Yeah, Walt, obviously, so much ahead of his time yeah. in so many regards. Yeah. Right. So now there is a funny little story regarding this design of Sleeping Beauty Castle and related to Herb Ryman. Now, as I mentioned, he came up with the sketches, but there was an Imagineer, um, Fred Jerger, who actually came up with creating a model based on those sketches. And Ryman has shared in stories, I've seen it on different interviews when he was still alive. He said, when he first saw that model, he actually said, I don't like it. And he later explained that the reason he didn't like it was he felt it looked too literal of a reflection of the inspiration castles. And he was really concerned that it would make uh, folks believe that Walt staff didn't have enough imagination to create, create their own castle. So what he did at that time is he actually, the, the castle was in separate sections and he lifted the top half and turned it around to face the opposite direction. And he said, what if we take it and move it around like this? And suddenly the people in the room were panicking because they knew Walt was actually due to come into the room to look at the castle and look at the models. And they were like, no, you got to turn it back, put it back, put it, put it back the way it was. And Walt entered the room. Now I've heard two different versions of the story where whether Walt heard the overheard those conversations or not, but he did come into the room. He looked at the model that had been swapped around the way that Herb Ryman had put it. And he, he said, Hey, that looks good. Let's do it that way. So um, kind of funny how a little happenstance of how the model ended up being transposed to create what we have now and it's beautiful. Interesting. And it is beautiful from, from the, the rear as well. If you go yeah. back there and take a look at right. it, it's a, it's a beautiful castle from both sides. So exactly would have been a winner in my opinion, either way it went, but that's interesting that you, you did the old switcheroo. switcheroo. The old yes. <laughs> Flip flop there. Yeah. And had people panicking. Like, right. Oh no. It's pretty funny. I know. Um, you know, one other little fun fact is that, um, you can find the Disney family crest on the entrance of the castle and it's a gold crest and it originated in France and it features lions and flowers. Ah, so very nice. Now the other thing, and I know, honey, you know, this, it does have a real working drawbridge. Yes. Yeah. In fact, on opening day, it was lowered and so allowing the kids to run through and all that being televised live. So. It's been a while. I don't, I don't even know. Maybe you know. Maybe you looked it up. I don't know. But the last time they've raised the drawbridge, it's been a while, but I know it, it can be done. Yeah. So they 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 um, actually raised and then lowered it again when they did a revamp of um, Fantasyland. So they, they have done it one other time since then. Now, when the when the gates opened and the drawbridge dropped down and and people were able to go through with it, at that time it was simply the castle. Um, but two years later, they did create a walkthrough attraction for that, and um, 
part of that was because Walt felt like there was unused space in the castle. They never built it out. And he thought, why not have something like that? And that's where they came up with a walkthrough attraction featuring dioramas of Sleeping Beauty story. And, um, you know, it, it really did have some very neat visuals and it had some special effects. In fact, there was a place that you could go on it um, where there were these two goons and you'd look through a keyhole and it had mirrors so that the goons eyes were actually the viewer's eyes, your own eyes. And so like if you would blink, the goons eyes would blink. And so, so if I was in there, it'd be a goon looking at a goon. That's true. Yeah. Now, they also had another area that, now, it wasn't all this, because like I said, they did have dioramas of the the storyline. But there was another one that had um, multiple mirrors set up, like, I, I think they said 15 or something like that, or maybe even more. Um, maybe it was 50. Uh, they, they had multiple mirrors set up at various angles. And so when you looked in, you just saw a bunch of eyeballs, but it was all your own eyeballs. So... Um, But anyways, uh, what happened because of all these really cool effects that they had is the line would slow down significantly and it would just kind of almost like stop, get really bottlenecked. Um, Plus, the attraction was actually opened up a few years before the movie came out. And as the movie, as people saw the movie, they realized, hey, there's some scenes in the dioramas that aren't in the movie. And there's some things in the movies that are not found in the castle storyline. So, you know, they really thought about it and they knew they had to do something because it wasn't working. So, so they did close it for a while. Um, now in 1977, they did another walkthrough and figuring out how could they revamp this to work. And so what they did was they took out the original sets and replaced them with scenes that had three actual 3D figures and, and things that followed the storyline of the film. So that went along for a while, but um, actually after, actually it was like 2001, um, Tony Baxter was involved in this where the Imagineers went back and looked at this attraction and they really didn't feel like it lived up to the standards and followed along well with what people were remembering about the story. And so they decided to close it again. But lo and behold, about five years later, the film was getting ready to be released on DVD as part of the 50th anniversary of the film. And so Disney Home Entertainment actually requested reconsideration of having the attraction opened up again. So the Imagineers went back inside the castle and to their surprise, they found the original attraction scenes and, and a lot of the techniques that, that provided, you know, through uh, force perspective and other techniques that they had for special effects were either there or they had the complete blueprint so that they could recreate them. And so they brought back, you know, the really luxurious artwork etc. that was in the original walkthrough. And so there are interactive features, no spoilers here, but it's it's great that they have that brought back. Some great stained glass work in there as well. Right. Um, that's uh, it's really cool. It's 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 a fun little one get out of the sun, but you know, it's it, it is an intriguing little walkthrough to kind of just to go through from time to time and see a little 
you know, history of the, right. you know, Sleeping Beauty and the, and why it's the namesake castle. Right, exactly. Now, I don't want to get into too much detail about the artist, uh, Erwin Earl, who was the, the key um, person for how that film, Sleeping Beauty, looked. In fact, it was unprecedented before that they would have one artist in control of the film's visual style, but that's really what Walt wanted. Um, but, but this artist, his work is just so spectacular. In fact, it's just so, um, even though it, it's two-dimensional, it can look very layered in, its, in, in having depth in it. It's, it's a style and color that's very unique. Um, but one of the things that I thought was interesting is that um, in his autobiography, Mr. Earl said, quote, I remember the first day I came to work, and he's talking about it at Disney, up on the wall were about a hundred exquisite little paintings by Mary Blair. In my mind, I said to myself, that's the job I want at Disney, end quote. But if you think about it, he actually did become that because, I mean, Mary Blair, she was obviously a key designer for a lot of things, including an attraction called It's a Small World. I mean, Mr. Earl was now, again, the key to the art used inside the castle. Very cool. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, again, it's just stunning work that is so vivid mm -hmm. and a different way of telling storytelling than what we've seen in other films. Yeah, so. it really is. I mean, it really, like you, you just mentioned it's, uh, I think, uh, sleeping beauty definitely has a very distinctive, um, art style. I mean, not that yeah. many of the films do, mm -hmm. um, they all have a, you know, they're, they're all a little bit different, but, uh, especially sleeping beauty just had a very unique right. sense about it. Right. Me. Yeah. And what they said about that, and maybe we could do another episode sometime about the, that film, but, you know, they did say he paid very close attention, had high standards. Um, some of the other animators for the, you know, the, the characters felt that the artwork that he had produced for the background was just so overwhelmingly be beautiful that it actually distracted from... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Or didn't highlight the characters as much, and there was some some rumblings about that. Mm, but rumble, 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 rumble. But Walt stuck by Mr. Earl. So now I do have a myth that there is um, a gorgeous chandelier clock hanging in Sleeping Beauty that is oftentimes stuck at a certain time. And there's been a lot of rumors is that it it had some that time had some significance. But the Disney Archives has said, no, that's a myth. Here's what they said. The gorgeous chandelier clock hanging in Sleeping Beauty's castle has never worked since its installation in 1996. And fans often specul about, speculate about the permanently frozen time on the clocks signifies. Truth is, not only does the clock's time hold no significance, the time itself often changes over years. And so they said the clock was installed during the castle rehab in 1996 and it never worked and case closed. <laughs> it must work sometimes because it obviously moves to a different time. Right, while, right. It's probably never worked clicks consistently. Maybe, right, but, right. But I guess yeah, for a lot of times it looks like it's stuck. I a lot of people like, oh, it stopped. That must mean something. Yes, you know, I know. Let's start to try and figure it all out. I know. There was so many different can, theories. Everybody does that. Stuff. It's fun. Yeah. But anyways, so that's kind of a take on 
Cinderella, I mean, excuse me, on Sleeping Beauty's castle. And You're I thought, ahead of yourself there. Yeah, I was going to say, well, now it's time to get over to the East Coast and to the second castle that was was created, and that was Cinderella's castle at Walt Disney World. Now, the chief designer for this castle, can you guess who it was? Herb Ryman. Same, same Z. Ah, so. I should have known that. Yes, I but now I didn't. Well, because I'm so bad with trivia. Yeah, I should yeah, know the yeah. trivia master yeah, over you here. Might, you might have felt like that was a trick question, but um, for this castle, um, like Walt, <laughs> the it was, was decided to get inspiration to come from France, where the original story of Cinderella came from. So, um, the the designers studied famous European palaces and castles, including Fontainebleau, Versailles, and other chateaux in the Noire Valley. Noire Valley. Um, but anyways, they also looked at the film that was produced by Disney, the 1950 Cinderella film, to look to see how did things appear there, to include that in their their inspiration and concept design. So it's a castle that's supposed to represent a romantic conception of France, of French palace fortresses. Now, the construction for Walt Disney World's castle um, began on May of 1967. It was one of the first structures actually erected on the site. Now, just in terms of, you know, remembering for history, that was... Um, after Walt had passed away and but a decision was made to continue with going into opening the Magic Kingdom so um, obviously it is a taller castle if people have looked at both of them um, and it it the unique thing about this it sits on top of a utility corridor called Utilidor um, where Disney employees can travel throughout the park and where they can also do, um, and, you know, and stay hidden, but they can also do things with trash maintenance, et cetera, down there. So um, we've been down there. That's right. Uh, right under exactly. Cinderella Castle. Exactly. So, in fact, I think we saw Cinderella heading up to Cinderella Castle from right. down there at one point. Yes. Yeah. It is a cool area. You see dancers practicing and everything. I mean, what it really is is, it's the first floor and the castle is actually built on the second floor, but you wouldn't know that in, in just taking a look at that. Um, originally, it was painted in traditional colors of gray, blue and gold, um, but that has changed over the years. And, you know, we're going to touch on that a little bit in a few moments. But now inside the castle foyer, the story of Cinderella is depicted on walls. Um, through these mosaic murals and each panel is uh, it says it's shaped in a gothic arch I wouldn't have known that was what it was called but it's 15 feet high by 10 feet wide Um, they were designed by Disney legend and Imagineer Dorothea Redman and uh, she translated her her artwork into thousands of pieces of glass that was um provided by a renowned tile mosaic. So there was actually more than 400 colors used with 100 accent colors. And some of the pieces actually were infused with silver and 14 karat gold. Wow. Yeah. I always knew that was a very beautiful, expensive castle. Now, yeah, I know. Yeah, gold on the top, gold inside. Nice. Yeah. Now, sadly, the way things are with how the 
that flow goes through the castle. I, I, I don't think people really are noticing that amazing artwork that is there. Um, I don't think you always get to the chance to walk through it. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, they have so many stage shows and right. some other things that happen right in front of it uh, that it's almost, it's almost a treat when you actually get to walk right. through and like, not like sleeping beauty castle at Disneyland, which you can walk through all the time, exactly, almost all the time. Um, Cinderella castle is a little bit different. It's sometimes it's open. A lot of times it's not, right. you, you just never know for sure. That's true. You know, and I know a lot of times people, if they're coming for, um, dining reservations, which are on the opposite side of where those murals are. Again, they're looking for that restaurant check-in area and, and may not take notice it. So if you haven't done that in a while and you're at the castle, it, they really are pretty stunning pieces of art. And, you know, I, it's, it's nice to see how they utilize art for the first castle and then they infuse art for the second castle, for Cinderella's castle. All right, so let's take a look at how the castle's appearance changed over the years. Um, I know that there's one that's probably the most prominent, the most discussed change that ever happened in the park. Um, do you know which one I'm talking about, sweetie? I think it has something to do with some frosting <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe some candy and exactly. yeah, some some candles. right. So at the park's 25th anniversary in 1996, the castle was transformed into a huge Cinderella castle cake. Um, and it's, it had large cake decorations and over 400 gallons of pink paint. And uh, like I said, to this day, I think many people still have opinions one way or the other oh, about yeah. that renovation. Oh, yeah. Some people loved it. Right. Many people. Eh, we don't want to see anything like that happen I know, again. I yeah. know. I know. But anyways, that's pretty cool. Um, now, there was another time that it had a, a little bit of a makeover. When the attraction Stitch's Great Escape debuted in 2004, the castle got a very unique makeover. In fact, unlike the birthday year, though, it was just brief. Experiment 626 actually TP'd the castle and he even graffitied it with Stitches King. So you might be able to find places where there's, it looks like the castle tops are, have toilet paper wrapped around it and everything. That was very brief king. though. That was yeah. just a, a very short oh, yeah. period that exactly. that happened. Yeah. Whereas the, the, Days, the birthday... Yeah. Uh, the birthday cake castle was went on for a little bit longer yes, than that. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Now, the following year in 2005, um, the Disney castles actually around the world were all getting gussied up because of Disneyland's 50th anniversary. And so the Cinderella castle, what they did was they decorated with gold accents and gigantic stained mirror um, that... It was a magic mirror, actually. It rotated, and it had images of Disney Park castles around the world. Mm, I didn't you know, know that. That's yeah, pretty cool. Center yeah, center stage. Yeah, it, it was stunning. It was beautiful, and um, those touches were, were really dreamy, so very cool. Now, in 2007, the castle had a renovation inside, and that is when a suite was developed as part of the Year of a Million Dreams. And people may remember that. 
It's where each day somebody was selected to be able to actually spend the night in the castle um, in this very elaborate Cinderella-looking area um, to stay overnight. And it was it's such a sought-after experience and that it's once in a while you'll see it offered as a prize in a sweepstakes. But, um, yeah, that would be yeah, It still exists up yes. there, but it doesn't... Uh... Yeah, you can't pay to go stay there. Right. They have to select you for some reason to, exactly. to stay up there. Yeah, yeah. I I noticed that um, a cast member was rewarded that recently um, over the holidays. So they still on a t- on from time to time will will have that available. Um, honey, do you remember what was there in that space before they made it into the magical suite? Um, I believe, wasn't it a call center, like right. where vacation, like people would call in for their vacation right. questions. And it, so there was like a phone bank in there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, it probably had to be a little bit disappointing for those people who were, you know, able to go into Cinderella's castle every day to, for their job. But, a little bit disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, maybe they got a much more comfortable location maybe I'm more sure. comfortable but i mean you can't tell me like I'm, i go true. to work in a castle every day that's true that's a good point now in in the same year that the suite was created they came up with a holiday season i guess you could call it an overlay um, it was called Castle Dream Lights, and that was introduced then. And Cinderella's fairy godmother actually covered the castle in glittering ice. Obviously, it was LED lights. Um, but to add to the celebration no, of the holidays. Ice. I know. I in know. Florida. I know. Now, here's one that I had not heard of because it only went on for a week. But in 2013, to celebrate Sweetheart Days in February... They featured the Blushing Castle. So at dusk, hues of pink, red, lavender, and blue bathed Cinderella's castles with themed lighting synchronized to music and adding some ambiance to the, to the park. And interestingly, something very similar happened at Disneyland on those same days of that oh, year. Very cool. Yeah. Now here's one that I thought sounded really cool. We didn't get to... Te- partake in it but in 2014 just in time for mickey's not so scary halloween party lady tremaine actually took over cinderella's royal table inside the castle and she she? i know and she invited some of her evil friends and special guests for a very decadent dessert party Uh, guests on her list were like the evil queen maleficent cruella Deville, dr facilier were there um party Goers were able to have preferred viewing of the fireworks show and parade as part of the package to, to go into that decadent dessert. But that's a pretty pretty neat deal. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't approached. I mean, it's such a funny thing with Disney and villains. I mean, you don't want to promote villains. Right. Yet people love the villains. Right. Uh, exactly. So I'm surprised that, you know, and then Disney is you know, talked about it, throwing it out a lot of times that maybe we do this as a villain's area. Maybe we do that as a villain's area. Right. To my knowledge, the only villain's area right now is the top of the world lounge. Right. Exactly. It it is, you know, it is such an interesting thing that I get why Disney doesn't want to embrace the villains because, you know, you just shouldn't, you know, they're the bad guys. Right. But people love them. Right. So, you know, that's part of what makes these Disney films great is that, that you 
you've got a bad guy that either you 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 love to hate or you just really really hate you right know, one way or the other well, I guess they do at certain, like Halloween time, you know, like even at the Oogie Boogie Bash right. and stuff. Um, and like you brought up the top of the world, you know, I, I wonder if that inspiration makeover, or should I say takeover, <laughs> um, what came from some of these activities here that they, they did see that people kind of... Well, I, Disney knows yeah. that people love the villains. Right. That's for sure. They know that. It's just a matter of if they want to embrace that fully or not. Right, right. So um, then later that year for the holiday tradition, they um, kind of upped the game of these shimmering icicles and put a new twist to the show. Uh, one that certainly spoke to you and it was a frozen holiday wish. Oh, uh, yeah. I know. So they had a stage show uh, with Elsa, Anna, Kristoff, and of course, Olaf made an appearance. Um, but it was Elsa who used her magic to create a frozen palace for the holiday yeah, season. it was always fun. Right, right. I mean, now, I and I didn't get into the, you know, other than the one Valentine week one, but obviously, you know, having projections now on the castles is pretty standard everywhere, and, and it does create a different perspective of the castles, obviously, but, you know, it, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the I like the mapping that they yes. do, and, and, and I, I think it adds to many of their their shows that they the nighttime spectaculars that they have there. Right, and I think the fact that you can you can do so many interesting things with the castles and the little nooks and crannies of the castle and right. everything, and and do some that make some fantastic parts of the show. Um, I, I definitely think it's 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 been a wonderful addition right. to the nighttime spectaculars. Most definitely. So there were you know um, a few other little times that the castle got a little more spruced up uh, in July of 2020 to welcome people back to the parks after the pandemic um, had closed them. They had uh, some colorful makeovers. They had a new royal color scheme given to the castle to give it a glistening new look. They had special elements, they said, such as sapphire dusting on the blue rooftop and gold trim were added to make the iconic spires sparkle in the sun. And you can actually see a sunrise um, over Cinderella's castle on Disney Plus. It's one of those. Uh, oh yeah, little... the, yeah. They had a few of those. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those are really those are really calming and soothing. Right. And beautiful. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Now, of course, for the parks, for the for the Magic Kingdom's fiftieth anniversary, there were a lot more touches again brought to the castle and in the, the decor you know, featuring royal blue jewel and more gold detailing and and the drapery appearance. I mean, those were all very gorgeous. Um, they, they once again went back to Mary Blair's vision of the film Cinderella and, and tried to incorporate some of those stylings in that 50th anniversary um, update to the castle and remember that was also when it became one of the shining beacons of magic yes which we love all the beacons of magic yeah mm -hmm. yeah all right so that's cinderella's castle and i bet you thought we're almost done no we're not well in 2012 two more castles were added to the magic kingdom really yeah any ideas 
I believe that one is Prince Eric's castle. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other is the Beast's castle. Perfect. I wasn't sure if you were going to remember that. I, yeah. I, I knew you'd remember Beast, but I wasn't sure if Prince Eric's. So. I only remember because we were there. Not We got some pictures taken <laughs> right, in front right. of Prince Eric's exactly. castle not that long ago. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I'll start with the Beast's castle. For this one, um, the Imagineers have some actual beasts and manatars and, and other kind of... Um, gruely looking things on the exterior of the castle. And, you know, it's really to bring in that concept, that storytelling of, you know, prince turned beast of the story. Um, now, I didn't get into really forced perspective because I think that's been talked about a lot and everything. But with this castle in particular, um, it's amazing th- what they have done. Because if you look at the castle from the park it looks huge and it looks far away so they used the the techniques of force perspective for both size as well as distance but it is amazing because the actual castle i I saw a picture where they were where they were um you know kind of putting it together Mm -hmm. and it's it's really not that much taller than an average guy, you know, I mean, not so much taller not, than you. Right. Right. But we're not talking about the, you know, the, the tops and the spires and, th- and things like that. But, um, it's basically a playhouse. It's a castle playhouse yeah. that they've set up to look so perfectly that it looks like an enormous castle. Exactly. In the distance. Yeah. Right. Um, now in this castle, there's also a restaurant. It's the be our guest restaurant and they, you know, have quick service during the day and table service at night. They have three separate dining rooms that you could sit at. The majestic ballroom that has 20 foot tall ceilings and 18 foot tall windows that overlook French countryside. Uh, the Rose Gallery that has a, a large music box uh, and it has Belle and Beast twirling on top of that. And there's the West Wing as well as a third location. So uh, if you're ever dining there, you know, and you have a preference, you can put in a request. It's not guaranteed, but you can put in a request of one of those areas. Um, You know, but there's a lot of features in the restaurant as well as the external part of the castle that are storytelling features from the film. but I think some of the, like one of the most amazing things to me is the chandeliers. I mean, they have some incredible chandeliers in the main portion of the dining room. Um, and, and I read that the largest one is actually 12 feet tall and features more than 100 crystals. So pretty incredible. They are pretty incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting place to go and have a, have a meal. For yeah, sure. yeah, Definitely. Now, the last castle that we mentioned is Prince Eric's Castle, and that's on top of the Under the Sea Journey of the Little Mermaid attraction. Um, This one has a Mediterranean-style castle and Spanish-style roof. Um, If you look for it, there's a regal monogram, E, for Eric, obviously. Um, Now, this one also, if you take notice, if you look at some of the details, it reflects some maritime touches. So, for example, there's some supporting beams. And if you look at the design, it's, it's subtle, but it's seaweed, seaweed themed. 
Um, it also, if you're looking at it on some of the walls, they have some hand-painted artwork, and that uh, shows some history of man's perilous journeys on the sea. So, um, you know, really kind of continuing that storytelling and having the artwork associated with it as well. Yeah, it is beautiful. If you don't, if you don't get back, and I can see why you, not a lot of people always get back into that area of the park, um, unless you're going to go do the undersea adventure of Little Mermaid, right. and the, you may not get back there. But it really is a really beautiful spot to look at, and, right. and you can usually easily get a nice picture there yeah, because it's a good picture not as many people get back there, and, and there usually is a photo pass photographer right. back there. Right, mm-hmm. right. So I just wanted to finish off with actually with a quote by John Hench, you know, and he's obviously, you know, was a, a Disney legend and and um, and Imagineer. And this is what he said. Now, obviously, he's talking about Sleeping Beauty's castle, but I think what his sentiment applies to all of them. He says, take Sleeping Beauty Castle, for instance. Most people walk up to this point and take a picture. In fact, more pictures are probably taken right here of that castle than anything else perhaps in the world. But if you walked up and asked a guest why he likes the castle, why is it worth photographing? He couldn't, he could never tell you. He'd probably stammer out something like, well, because it's just beautiful. And yes, when he gets back home and shows his pictures, the feeling will never be the same that he experienced simply standing there. (laughs) Um, He said, the fact is, as we stand here right now, there are literally hundreds of stimuli etching an impression and an experience in our minds through every one of our senses. Probably the most conscious and obvious stimuli is visual. We're looking at the castle, and we think it's beautiful. Yet consider the factors that are playing on our senses, vision, the colors, the lighting, the shape, and the design. He says, look at the top of the castle. At the base of the highest tower are a series of tremendously detailed gargoyles, which you can barely see from the ground, and yet they are part of the magic formula. They are part of the thousand little tiny details that are looking that we are looking at right now, but don't consciously perceive. Individually, they are nothing. Collectively, they add up to a visual experience that the guests can't find anywhere else. And I just thought that kind of really captured, you know, the essence of these icons, you know, that they they do hold a lot of stimuli. They do have a lot of detail that, you know, coming together creates something that is so special. But again, it's also that you're experiencing that in an environment that brings joy and that I believe you feel differently once you're there. And, and like he said, you cannot recreate that feeling even just looking at the picture again. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, you can look at the picture and remember, but there's something about being there. And yeah, and obviously it goes for all the park icons, but especially the castles, which were the, you know, obviously right. the first park icons. Uh, yeah, just going there and being there with your family or your friends, the nostalgia mm-hmm. factor involved there. Of course, they're gorgeous. 
right. on the sights, the sounds, everything around it. It's just amazing. And uh, yeah, of course, everybody has to get a picture by the castle. It's just, right. it's a must. Right. Know, virtually every trip you go to Magic Kingdom, you got to get at least, if not take a picture of the castle, get a picture in front of the castle. Right. I know that there are times like when uh, we've experienced just first going in and we have, let's say, a reservation to do something else and you can't go by the castle first. It, and it's like, oh, but I want to, especially when you're at Disneyland. You know, it's like, wait a minute, we have to go over there first, but I want to go to the castle. It's right there. Yeah. When you're yeah. Disneyland, especially like, so let's say if you take the monorail in, because you can actually do that into mm-hmm. Disneyland Park, you can take the monorail from downtown Disney into Disneyland Park. And if you do that, then it's going to take you and drop you off in Tomorrowland. So yes, if, if you have something in Tomorrowland or Fantasyland or whatever, in some ways it's right. more convenient exactly. to do that. Yeah. However, you don't get that walk down Main Street USA right right towards that beautiful castle. Right. So anyway, so that's our look at the fabulous castles in the United States. Um, As I mentioned, our subscribers to the newsletters, you'll be getting a special link that's going to provide you instructions and blueprints from Disney Imagineers Stephanie Jasmines and Amy Young to create your own 3D paper shadow box of Cinderella's castle. So be sure to sign up for the newsletter so we can get you that information. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a nice perk. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, always throwing out the perks uh, through the newsletter. So sure. So yeah, yeah, for those of you who subscribe, you're the lucky ones. Anybody who wants to join on board and be yeah. a subscriber, yeah. you'll get that yeah. too. So I won't put it in until the next step, uh, next um, <clears throat> newsletter. So. Right. So next week, some point. Right. Very good. So Michelle's research, always the best research. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, again... Learned a lot of stuff I didn't know about the castles. I love them, but uh, I didn't know everything about them. And I learned a lot of great new stuff. So that's fantastic, Michelle. Another wonderful job. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. And again, hopefully this information helps you experience the castles, you know, a little differently, maybe a little better and get to really um, be immersed in, in experience some of the special things that, like they said, you might not notice you know, through your consciousness. Really cool. And this is going to be a series. So we're going to be looking at some other Disney castles right. in upcoming episodes. What do you think is the, the castle you're going to focus on next will be? I'm trying to figure out, I'm, I'm thinking maybe depending on how much information, if I do the Asian uh, resorts together, or if there's enough information to separate it into different episodes, then we'll decide it. All right. I get so that put together. Look forward to that. But yeah. As for today, and Michelle did a great job well, with it. Once again, you. that was a look at the majesty of the Disney castles in the USA. Great job, Michelle. Another fantastic Mm, peek at uh, just some interesting stuff that we, you know, I always find fascinating. And you do such a great job of pulling out these facts. And that uh, that John Hinch quote at the end was, I guess it was more of a just kind of a segment, uh, but it was really, really good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. When I saw that, um, you know, it's in a book we have. I just thought, oh, that just kind of encapsulates the feeling, you know. Because like I said, I, I truly believe that when you go in there into the park and especially once you stop and, and appreciate the castle, 
you feel different than when you first arrived. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. And can't wait. We'll be doing that with Sleeping Beauty Castle yes. here coming up very, very soon. Yes. And then following that up the next weekend with, well, I don't know if we're going to Magic Kingdom. Maybe we'll be seeing <laughs> yes. Cinderella. We'll definitely be seeing Cinderella Castle. Right, right. But, but yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. So thanks, Michelle. Great oh, thank job. You. Great job. Well, thanks. Now, before we get to the Disney stories of the week, you know, we have to talk about our great friend, Nate, with Main Street and more travel, because let's face it, we all have trips we're thinking about taking in the very near future. Well, if you do, whether it be to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise or anywhere in the world beyond, let me tell you. Nate is the certified Disney vacation planner that you are going to want to get in contact with. Oh my gosh, for sure. You know, as we, you know, mention all the time, he really has firsthand knowledge of things so he can really help you plan, customize a, a trip that is going to be the best for you, answer your questions. It's really concierge level planning that doesn't cost you anything. High end. It is high end stuff that he will help you out with answer all your questions. He is there for you to make sure your trip, wherever it may be, be the best it possibly can be. And as Michelle mentioned, no extra cost to you. That's because either Disney or whatever other travel branch that he works through pays him for you. Your What you end up paying is exactly what you pay. If you did all that work yourself, only you can save that time and just relax and enjoy and let him set it all up for you. Right. And you know what? He may even be able to save you some money from you doing it alone because he is on top of all the deals and steals that are out there. Yeah. And there's never a guarantee, but let me tell you, if there's a discount out there, Nate will find it for you. So what you got to do is go to distripsandmore.com, fill out the form there and just contact him, talk to him, tell him what you want to do and let him get to work for you. Right. So as Tom mentioned, once you fill out that form, Nate will be back in touch with you to start that planning, but be sure to tell him that Tom and Michelle sent you. Yeah. Again, that's Nate with Main Street and more travel. All right, let's go ahead and get to the Disney stories of the week. I do have a couple quick ones for you this week. And I'm going to start with, we have great news for you if you're a Disney Plus subscriber who happens to have a Walt Disney World trip planned in the near future. This came from the Disney Parks blog. They said, starting this week, as we're talking, as we're recording this, I think it started just yesterday, yesterday as we're recording it, on January 3rd, 2024, Disney Plus subscribers can get a free dining plan when they purchase a non-discounted four-night, four-day Walt Disney World Travel Company package that includes a room at a select Disney Resort hotel and theme park ticket with the park hopper option. Now, this offer is valid for arrivals most nights from July 1st through September 30th of 2024, so much of the time through the summer. Yeah, I was going to say during summer mm -hmm. vacation time, which is very cool. Yeah. Uh, you, if you want to take advantage of this, you can take a look at it at DisneyWorld.com slash special offers. Uh, and, it, you know, the thing about this is that, hey, if you're a family that already is planning on staying in one of these resorts, you're already doing the park hopper option. Right. Why not throw in some free food? Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think you can also find it on, um, if you go on Disney plus mm. website and look up their perks. Right. Um, but yeah, that is an amazing perk. Right. So that's not the only perk that came out this week as well. There are mm -hmm. also some more offers available to those looking to book their Walt Disney world vacation. You can save up to 35% 
at select Disney Resort hotels when you stay five nights or longer uh, for most nights from March 25th through October 3rd of 2024. Again, check out that same website, DisneyWorld.com slash special offers to learn more about that. So that's another thing that might be of benefit to you. Now, that's a discounted offer. You can't do that and the dining plan together. Right. So you got to do the math. Right. What's the better option for you when it's all said and done? Is it better to save some money on the hotel, pay a little bit more money for food and maybe a little less money for tickets? Or is it better to go ahead and go for the hotel, pay full price, pay for those park hopper tickets and get that free food. Right. It's all what's best for you. Yeah. And it it could also very much depend on how many people are in the room and things Mm -hmm. like that as well. So it's always one of those things you need to do. And they, you know, they kind of, because the Disney dining plan hasn't been there and some of the special offers haven't existed as much up until recently. Right. It's one of those things you always need to look at when you're deciding. You need to do the math both ways. And the good thing is that the, the Walt Disney World website is really good in letting you look at both offers. So right. you can see the price for one and see the price for the other and compare them right. and figure out what is, would be the best deal for you. What's the best way to approach exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So very cool. Some things are returning right. back since from before the pandemic. The Disney yes. dining plan's back. Now I the know. free dining plan is back yes. for Disney Plus subscribers. Um, it's good to see these, some of these things coming back. For yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. Uh, moving over to the West Coast. And for those people who have Disneyland plans, or maybe you live within the Disneyland mm-hmm. area, even more importantly, uh, this came from our one of our favorite follows on social media, at Scott Guestin. He said, new... Magic key passes will resume new sales on January 10th, no earlier than 9 a.m. Pacific time. They'll be putting all four magic key pass types will go back on sale on that day. So if you've been, yeah. if you don't have a magic key pass, which is an annual pass essentially for the West Coast, and have been thinking about getting one, well, that's your date. Yeah. You may want to jump on it. Uh, the prices are going to be the same. They're, for once, they're not going up. Yeah. They're going to be the same since they've been um, of, uh, October of this year, the last time, or, excuse me, last year, last time they sold them. Um, they, here are the what you're going to cost if you're going to pick up one of these passes. Uh, the baseline pass is the Imagine Pass. That's $499. The Enchant Pass is $849. The Believe Pass is $1,249. And the Inspire Pass is sixteen hundred forty nine dollars. Of course, the Inspire Pass is the one with no blackouts right, or anything right, else. Yeah. Um, the other ones will have some blackouts, some dates you're not going to be able to possibly go. So right. you have to look and see what's best for you. Uh, renewals will remain available for all pass types up to thirty days before pass expiration. So if you already have a Magic Key Pass, you can also renew as right, well. Right. So that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, really cool. Um, I, I know we'd be uh, we'd have one if we were still living right. in that area. Yeah, we loved having a magic key, uh, so I'm glad some more people are going to get the opportunity to pick one up. Yeah, I know that there's been you know so much demand for it, so it's good that it's finally coming up again. Now, if we can just get the reservation system for those who have the passes opened up a little bit more, right? right. Eh, that would be good. But either way, and by the way, um, and I believe they still do this. So it, it, please, if I, if I'm incorrect on this, I apologize. But um, yeah, I mean, those, those are huge numbers 
when you look at it. Mm -hmm. But you can also pay for them in a monthly installment as well. So you don't need to, if you want to get the Believe Pass or the Inspire Pass, you don't need to shell out $1,200 or $1,600 right right there on the spot. Right. You can incrementally pay uh, a certain, you have to pay a baseline amount and then you can pay a certain amount per month after that. Right. I do believe you have to be a resident of California though. Oh, for that? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure. Because I know even Florida. That's important. Yeah. Um, double check that on right. Disney's website, but I, I believe that's not probably true, but there are so many residents of California. Right. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah. You know, I mean, that most people who are buying these passes are within a two-hour drive distance right. of exactly. Disneyland anyway. Yes. So, right, yeah. right. Anyway. So. so that's it for the Disney oh, stories of the week. Other, oh, you got something else. One yeah. other perk from uh, Disney Plus is if you are thinking of or were thinking of becoming a gold member of D23, if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, you'll get that membership at half off. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So whether you're doing the the single or the duo gold member, you get 50% off. Now that's for new subscribers only, and you need to do it by the end of January. Yeah. Well, so you better jump on that if yeah. you're thinking about doing it, but that that's good news. Yeah. That's good news. Also, and I, I haven't seen some actual things to back this up, but I've seen it reported a couple times including from our great friend, Nate. Mm-hmm. So I believe it must be true. Uh, there's talk that they're building a new DVC lounge somewhere in Walt Disney world. Mm-hmm. I don't know where, I don't know if it, we're talking about something like top of the world lounge, right. or if we're talking about something like the DVC lounge at Epcot, mm-hmm. but that's out there. I'm sorry. I don't have more details about that because I didn't actually see this come from Disney, but I've seen it reported from multiple sources. Nice. So I'm sure that must, uh, including, like I said, Nate, which I trust Nate, right. especially with DVC stuff a lot. Yeah. Uh, so that's Super fantastic. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, um, awesome, awesome. looking down to find out where that next DVC lounge might be. Right. Very cool. So that's it for the Disney stories of the week. However, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle because well, she's wonderful. She's fantastic. <laughs> she's all things great in the world. Hmm. You just heard it. She knows she does the best research. She has the best lists. But one thing is very much for certain. She always has the best tips. So let's get to it. Here is Michelle's tip of the week. All right. So my tip, uh, I have to admit, I've been kind of in the mode of Disney Cruise Line review of information because we are planning some some cruises coming up. And so I thought, why not have a Disney Cruise Line tip this week? And this is something similar to what we've talked about with um, Disney resorts. But when it comes for um, payment of things on board ship, you, you pay with your, your key, to the, key to the world card, or now they're, they're using Magic Band Plus on, on some of the, the cruise ships. But what you can do is actually set up different credit cards for each guest who are in your room. So whether you're traveling with let's say friends and you want separate charging accounts on there, or let's say you're, you have some minors, but you want to give them an opportunity to have some money to spend. You could set up a separate, a different account, credit card account that it would go to. Um, and so that way you can kind of watch what's going on. And at any time during the cruise, you could actually suspend charging privileges as well. But it just gives you an opportunity to, like I said, if you're traveling with friends and you don't want to have to, at the end of the cruise, figure out who owes what, 
um, that you can get that handled in advance. Or if you, like I said, if you want to give, you know, you have a, a teen or tween and you want to give them some charging privileges, you can designate that they do have charging privileges and then you can kind of keep, keep track of that and, uh, and make decisions as the cruise goes on. Yeah. It's very important because you don't want to, you know, I mean, you can check your bill at any time. Sometimes it's right there on the television for right. you. But, you know, how often do you really want to do that, right. you know? Right. And so you don't want to get to that last night and then the bill shows up and you're like, we charged what? Right. You right. know, or and then if, like you said, if you're with other family members or right. friends and mm-hmm. we're all in the same account and you're like, okay, how are we now we have to spend our last night figuring right. this all out exactly. and who's paying what? It, no right. one really wants to do no, that. So no. um, it is good if you can... Uh, get that all set up ahead of time. And it's just a quick trip to guest services. Right. So you can do it in advance online when you're doing your online check-in. Um, or like if you want to make any changes or or, or cease something, you can do it on, bo- on board through guest services as well. Yep. Very good. Michelle's tip. Always <laughs> the best tip. Uh, my tip goes back to, again, what we were discussing a little bit when we were talking about the Disney dining plan, the free Disney dining plan versus the 35% discount. Mm-hmm. Again, this has always been the case. And then now as more of these perks are coming out, it's even more the case now. Always do the math right. when you're talking about a Disney vacation. It's going to be a lot of money no matter what you're talking right. about. It's going to be an expensive vacation. So you want to try and figure out where the importance lies for you and your family. You know, what is priority one for you? What do you want to get done? Do you want to stay at a great resort? Do you want to be able to park hop? Are you going to want to eat a lot of food? Um, Where are you going to be spending your money and where can you save that money? You know, do you, you know, maybe uh, it's okay if we stay off property, we'll save some money on the resort, but we'll have more money to spend on other things. It's always things to look at. And it's actually kind of fun to look at and and go through and compare and contrast and come up. What is the best option for you? And don't worry about it. If it is spending a little more money, you know, what you do with your money is your, it's up to you. Right. You, you know, it's your vacation. You don't judge. Have fun. You know, treat yourself. <laughs> Have fun with it, you know, and don't worry about what anybody says like, oh, I would never do that. I would never spend money on that. Right, right. It doesn't matter. They're not you. Right. You spend your money, what you, everybody finds value and splurges in different areas. Right. What's right for you isn't right for everybody, but it's right for you. And that's all that matters. Right. You know, and as you Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, the the fact that it is fairly easy on the Disney website to do that comparison of Mm -hmm. what the costs are for different, whether you're doing it, if you're doing it on property, you know, with a discount versus without a discount, but then factoring your, your spending on food, et cetera. So, um, Yeah. And we do plan to, like you've mentioned, we're going to be trying out the Disney dining plan and we do expect to talk about it. We talked about it in the past. Of course, mm-hmm. they had different plans in Changed the past. a little bit since right. we talked about it many so years ago. So we want to experience it and be able to talk about it firsthand with the newer plans. Yeah. Uh, that won't be till May, but um, that's, that Maybe. is our plan. Maybe. You never know. That we yeah, might... that's right. We might pop it in earlier than that. Right. But right now we have it set for May for our yeah. trip in May. So yeah, that'll Maybe be fun. January. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. That's it for this week's show. Next week, well, as we mentioned, as you're dro- this episode is dropping, we are in California. People are watching our house. We are in California, 
And we have lots of unique stuff planned. Of course, trips to Disneyland, both for the end of the holiday stuff there, which yes, believe it or not, the holidays is still going on there. Um, For the Run Disney Race Weekend, the Mm -hmm. first Run Disney Race Weekend since 2017. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Just some good fun times with family and friends. Mm -hmm. We have a tour of the Disney Studios in Burbank as well. Right. All sorts of fun stuff planned. And we, of course, we are flying back just in time. Like we're literally red eyeing in so we can get on the air on Sunday morning after we get back just to tell you all about it. Right. We hope that we'll have enough energy to get out that episode, but it might be a little later. Maybe a little later. We'll see how tired we are after we get off the flight. Yeah. We may need to sleep for a couple hours and then come and record the show. But either way, Sunday, that episode will be dropping for you and we should have a a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, we're going to have a lot to talk about. I even talk about the, the new DVC Disneyland Villas that we're staying, Disneyland Hotel Villas That's that we're staying true, at yeah, as well. So right. All sorts of stuff. It's going to be a fun episode, and we hope you'll join us for it. As for today's show, we appreciate that you join us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we are on social media. We're on Twitter X. at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Also, we're on YouTube. If you want to find us there, we're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. And we would really appreciate it if you would tell family members or friends about our podcast. Yes, please do. Telling a friend, telling a family member, that's the best way to spread the word that this is a show that they might like and get more Hyperion Adventurers out there. Yeah. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.